0: Hey man, we're going to do this again. Good evening guys. Dog Sports Live breaking news, talking football. Graham, tell us what happened today.
1: Uh, so apparently Max Johnson has broken his.
0: Nope. Nope. Miles Brennan.
1: That's right. They have similar names. Miles Brennan, uh, the presumed. That would be really breaking news. (laughs) Starting quarterback, uh, has broken his his non-throwing arm. Uh, LSU is saying it was in a freak weight room accident of some sort. But, uh, yeah, he was in contention for starting quarterback job at LSU and had a really good season last year before it ending early due to injury. So looking like Max Johnson is going to be the starter uh, for the Tigers in 2021.
0: Yeah, we were set to uh, preview the Tigers, Gators, and um, who's our last team? Uh, volunteers. volunteers. Yeah, and uh, so we got this news breaking, and we had looked at—I was looking at Max Johnson and the quarterback play. So uh, let's uh, let's start off with the our favorite. Um, you know, we're gonna do our metrics thing here, and uh, yeah, so here are the three teams we got tonight, and LSU's up to the top. We're turning a lot of offense and defense. Um, with the over-under wins set at eight and a half. I'm curious if that's going to go down with the news. I don't think so. I, I mean, it, it, lot, he was yeah. he was competing for that job, so it's not a huge fall, uh, you know, step back.
1: A lot of people thought that Max Johnson was going to be the starter anyways. Um, at least my LSU friends feel like his ceiling is potentially higher than Brennan, although Brennan was really good last year. Um, yeah, that's a pretty stunning chart, though, to see – just how much production LSU returns on both sides of the ball and uh, Florida returns a lot on defense, but pretty decimated on offense. And then Tennessee, all the the transfers after uh, McDonald's bag, money handout <laughs> gate of uh, the, the end of last season, sitting down there with 54% second worst in the league in terms of returning production. So... Yeah. You Lots lose of your, work ahead. Yeah. You lose one
0: of the best linebackers, if not the last linebacker in the league and in, in, in your total. And uh, yeah, you're going to suffer on that, you know, in a lot of areas, but you can see that even though they're returning a good amount of defense that, yeah, these were all sort of bottom end of the SEC and success rate allowed on the defense, especially LSU. Um, and uh, you know, i'm not going to drop names but i was was within earshot of an espn personality and he talked about lsu to an lsu fan and talked about how they got a little lazy and cocky so um they've got plenty of talent it'll be interesting to see if they turn it around this year and uh play to their potential because it is a it is a good it is a good uh well-recruited uh roster for sure
1: yeah i mean i don't know if this was ever written about super publicly but uh I, I do know on very good authority, and I've heard from, from quite a few people that there was a little bit of locker room discord last year in Baton Rouge. Um, I think the coaching staff could have handled some of the events that were going on uh, in, in the country at the time a little bit better than they did. And there just kind of became a split and Bo Pelini was there and, and that whole marriage never seemed to work out from the jump. He decided to to play man against an air raid offense versus Mike Leach and, and let KJ Costello set an sec passing record on them. Um, So it it just sort of that whole season kind of seemed doomed from the start in hindsight. I don't think we knew that at the time, LSU was a a preseason top 10 team last year, but they seem like they've done everything they can to kind of get back to the, the model that, that worked so well for them in 2019 when they won the national title. The big question there is, Will they get the same level of quarterback play and skill position play? Um, one thing that, that seems like a, an absolute known for them uh, on the offensive side of the, the ball is uh, Keyshawn Boute, our, our favorite name in college football. Um, and you've got a kind of chart here that, that shows it. But him and Max Johnson, you know, have a lot of chemistry there and yeah. got better every game.
0: As I was going through stuff earlier in the spring, you know, Butte was one of the most explosive receivers returning in the SEC. Um, and here I've got this uh, this chart up here on his yeah, like you were talking about the chemistry he's got with Max Johnson. Uh, I mean, 13 catches and versus old Miss uh, for SEC 20 record. Yeah, yeah, wow, 23.2 yards per uh, catch. That's explosiveness rating. So that's not for. <laughs> Uh, per target but yeah at a 61 62 success rate so yeah i'm gonna roll some tape on him and maybe you want to talk a little bit
1: yeah i mean he is uh definitely one of the best returning wide receivers in the sec probably the best honestly in my own opinion a uh, big physical former you know former blue chip recruit type of guy that this is what everyone expected him to be when he came on campus and um this is you know what he is but just extremely extremely talented wide receiver you can see they're really good after the catch very strong good strong hands catches the ball out away from his body but i think that's maybe the difference between him and like a a guy like george pickens is just the work that he can do after the catch is is really really special for a guy his size you don't often see receivers that have his size and strength that can also Make those types of moves with the balls and ball in their hands
0: yeah i mean again, you know that's he was absolutely one of the most explosive catches you know receivers in the league, and I mean just looking at just his his highlights here from max Johnson are pretty i mean yeah he he's like you say, he's got all the tools. To be one of the best in the league if not the best in the league um you know while we're running this tail, i wanted to you know comment a little bit on that defense you know they showed signs of, of you know of having good games you know you've got derek stingley back there who's obviously one of the best play playmakers in the sec and you expect to give up points and yards versus florida even old miss and bama but you know allowing 62 or something 60 percent success rate against bo nix is troubling Um, And Missouri had a had a real I think actually Missouri had a really good game against uh, against that LSU D. So, I mean, yeah, there's maybe that speaks to them not being focused that, you know, they can have good games and, and, you know, play to their potential. But also, um, you know, they they didn't show up for some of those games. So, yeah, maybe a new new D.C. there can, you know, get that talent um, to uh, to do some results from them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, LSU has uh, the best pair of corners, boundary corners anywhere in college football. Uh, Stingley obviously is a, a known commodity who really didn't get to see the field as much last year as I think most hoped or expected. But uh, Eli Ricks came in, you know, a, another one of those guys, highly recruited and really was just a stud from the word go. Um, and and it's probably only going to get better. So, Anybody that's playing them is is going to have their work cut out for them in terms of, of scheming up, getting guys open on on the outside for, for those big kind of plays into the boundary. And it's going to be really interesting to see how offenses try to attack them. Um, I mean, in this era of college football, good offense always seems to beat good defense, right? Like we yeah. saw uh, – uh, oh, my God. Devontae Smith from Bama last year, like – absolutely tear up that secondary um and and make it look very very easy but just your your average kind of SEC pair of wide receivers is going to struggle against Ricks and Stingley
0: yeah we were talking about and you talked about how talented this roster is and this is Bud Elliott's you know uh, blue chip ratio um yeah and you can see that you know talent wise and blue chip the ratio is one of these things these are the teams that he de- you know deems by this using this formula can win the national championship. And, you know, there's LSU right there uh, with, with the big boys where they are a big boy, but you know, right here up with the best of uh, the recruiters in the country. So yeah, they have the talent and, you know, maybe a new DC can get some of the, like I said, you know, like just do get better results out of that defense. And like, you know, with Stingley back there um, you expect to them to be improved greatly this year.
1: Yeah, not just Stingley, but, I mean, they've got two really good edge rushers in P.J. Ojolari and Ali Gay. Um, both of those guys were very productive last year. Lots of pressures, lots of of sacks. Um, and then uh, Mike Jones at linebacker, his his run defense and tackling are a little bit shaky, but uh, he's very, very good in coverage. And I think at, kind of in this stage of college football where things are, that – that might be what you want, honestly, uh, is a guy that that can line up on tight ends and backs and and do a really good job. So what do you think for, for LSU? You said uh, that that over under win total is eight and a half. What, yeah, eight and a half.
0: One? Right. Um. I mean, they're going to only play, you know, they're going to play Florida, which Florida and Alabama and Texas A&M, which all have higher, you know, so there's three if you want to count those as three losses. I mean, certainly they can, that Florida game is going to be critical. It's at home. It's at Baton Rouge. It'll be a night game most likely. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's middle of the season. So you're going to, these teams are going to show them. So you have a better idea of what they are. Um, that UCLA game is interesting. You know, I know Max Johnson finished the year, so he's not going to be inexperienced at all, but you know, with the change, with, with losing a quarterback, you'd like to maybe start off with that McNeese State game, but here it is—they got to go to Los Angeles and play UCLA, which you know is returning ninety-one percent, Some one of the, yeah. the highest, if not the highest, returning production in Power Five. Um, and, you know, it's UCLA; it, it, they're not as talented as LSU, but that's that's gonna be a tough game to start the year for sure. Yeah, and you're, you're gonna find really out real quick. You're gonna feel real. You're gonna find out real quick if this team is more
1: focused. Yeah, the early line on that game is only like two and a half points for LSU, which I think is pretty telling. Um, I would expect Tiger fans to travel pretty well out there. Uh, I don't think that's a, I don't think that line is where it is because of any sort of massive home field advantage or anything like that. Uh, like you said, UCLA returns a ton of production. They have a very dynamic quarterback in and Thompson Robinson, so. That could be an interesting one. LSU has kind of struggled in some of those big openers in the past. Uh, you know, they played that series with Wisconsin and barely got a got away in sort of a miracle come from behind victory in one and and looked really inept. in the other when they played up at Lambeau Field maybe four or five, six years ago. Um I do think though that LSU uh, you know, you showed Bud's blue chip ratio up there, and, and he does a great job with that over at 247. And they are the fifth best talented team in the country. And if you told me that I can bet on the fifth best talented team in the country's season win total, and all they have to do is win nine games for me to cash out, I would take that every year. Um, So, I mean, that that's where I am on them. I honestly think that if you're looking for that team, that could be your sleeper playoff contender, uh, potential conference champion, potential division champion, I think it's them. I, I don't know. At this point like it's kind of impossible to to not pick Alabama uh when you're you're doing yeah. these preseason exercises but I mean yeah, what that, happened in 2019, right? Um, yeah, that
0: schedule's so. backloaded for, you know, for for LSU, you know, they they've got Alabama and Texas A&M in the last third of their season, certainly that Florida game. It's a tough stretch, you know, the Florida and a, a high power Mississippi uh followed up by Alabama. but so that should give them time to, to you know, find find their best players and put them on the field, you know, especially yeah. if they get, get through, you
1: know, uh, UCLA and Auburn. And I think that'll help them, man. I mean, they signed, uh, especially on defense, they signed Mason Smith, who was a five-star, one of the top interior linemen in the country. If not the top, they signed Sage Ryan, uh, a five-star safety, who could come in and, and maybe contribute right off the bat. So it's like, I think that defense – Having a little bit of time to, to work some of these younger guys in, get get some of these guys a little bit more experience could be a, a huge advantage for, for LSU. All right. Well, I mean,
0: that's it, it, why you recruit, and that's why you have extra players, because LSU is going to gonna be down a man. I know that a lot of guys were, you know, Miles Brennan was going to be, uh, I think PFF had him, as we're going to show this a little later, as one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, uh, according to their stuff. And uh, now it's going to be Max Johnson. So uh you know I think they've got a lot to I mean you got playmakers out there I think they're gonna be fine on offense and I think we know their defense um, needs to improve and if it does that they should be like
1: you know a dark horse to compete for that SEC West title yeah man I honestly think like I really do think that LSU like I know we're gonna do all these previews for all these teams and all of that good stuff but like I LSU is, probably that team that, like, I, I just feel really good about them, man. Yeah. I feel like they're going to win 11 games. Um, and I don't they, know if the loss is Bama or or Florida or, I mean, hell, man, that old Miss team, who knows what could happen anytime a lane-given offense takes the field. But I think that LSU is going to be in the conversation for a playoff berth when we get to November, and it's just going to depend on how the back end of that schedule shakes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we didn't even talk about uh, uh, the running back we missed out on, um, who's going to be really good this year too. I can't. remember. Oh, Emory. John yeah, Emory. Emory John Emory. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've talked too much talking Emory Jones. I can't. I got John Emory <laughs> Yeah, locked and he's
1: very talented out of high school. He hasn't quite like you know popped yet and sort of shown all of that potential. Uh, but like you said, this this could be the year for it and. They're going to have a very good passing attack if they have a strong running back, or even if they just can find kind of that uh, that guy similar to edwards Hilaire in 2019, who can who can hurt linebackers coming out of routes uh, out of the backfield. Then they're just going to be really tough to stop. I mean, as a Georgia fan, I'm really glad that they're not on our schedule because I think that what they return on offense is is as scary as you know anyone, Georgia included speaking of uh of returning on offense let's talk about florida let's talk about florida um so you know of course this is a georgia show i feel like we have to caveat our our preview with that but also in saying that you know when we make these over under win total picks and, and bets and a lot of these are things that i you know personally uh will bet on um I don't make bets based on emotion. I make bets on what's going to make me money, right? So when we talk about Florida, we're just going to try and give you our honest opinion, however that may look. I don't know what you think about Florida. What what do you feel about the Gators?
0: Um, I just don't know how you turn over this much offense and not have some regression. And that's not – I'm not trying to make any shots, like you say. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you I'm a fan of them, but I just don't know how – um, there, you know, you've mentioned it a bunch. That's one of that, you know, Mullen's best offenses. Um, and they finished the year in a three game losing streak and guys didn't seem to be buying in, you know, skipping, uh, the, the bowl game. And I know we had that against Texas, but you know, Kirby next time around against the, in the sugar bowl versus Baylor got those guys to play. I mean, we did have some opt-outs, but the guys were there, came to play and, and Georgia won that game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think all the things you bring up are very, very valid. I don't think that, um, I, I just, Emory Jones may be great. He may be one of the best three quarterbacks in the, in the SEC. But it, it, Trask was and Pitts were spectacular last year, and and I just don't know how that doesn't regress a little bit. Um, you know, if it regresses a little bit and the defense improves, you know, they they could be, you know, they should potentially be one of the best teams in the SEC East. But you know, I, I think we've got a less more than a small sample size on the Todd Grantham defense. So and yeah. that's, a, that's a defense that had a high-powered offense and still allowed 45% success rate. Alabama was, was uh, giving up yards and plays on defense early in the year, and they corrected it, and they ended the season with a 38% um, success rate allowed on defense, and Florida's defense was going the other way. So, Right, and I,
1: I think this Florida defense is definitely bound to improve, right? Like they, they return a lot of guys on that defense. Um, they, they have a new secondary coach which I think is kind of where internally they decided to place the blame instead of on Grantham was was on the secondary coach. Um, I don't know if it's the secondary coach's fault if you're you know running seven-man blitzes half the time and, and leaving your guys in, in man coverage against modern SEC-wide receivers, but we can get into that on another day. I think that Florida, this is going to be like a, a, a very big – Uh, year for Dan Mullen just in terms of we're going to find out what this program is, kind of what the culture is like, what's going on there. If the recruiting that he's done that Georgia fans, including myself have often been critical of is enough to, to take that program and, and keep it where I think most everyone that that's observed college football for the last three decades believes it should be. Um, what's fascinating is we're looking at probably a a big change in scheme back to what Dan Mullen has kind of done more historically with dual threat passers and and guys that are going to run from the quarterback position and more short passes, not to say Emory Jones doesn't have a big arm because he does have a big arm. Um, but that offense has been in the sec for 15 years now right uh and i think that there's a lot of good good film on it there's a lot of people that know how to defend it at this point and and kirby Smart's one of them right like if you look at the the dan mullen offenses going back to mississippi state through his time at florida last year was the first time in in 13 meetings that he put up more than 20 points on a Kirby smart defense. And granted when Kirby was at Alabama, the talent gap between Alabama and Mississippi state was significant, but there was also, you know, even with Dak Prescott, he never put up 20 more than 20 points on, on a smart defense. So I do think if you're a Georgia fan, uh, you probably should feel good about the matchup with Florida this year on that fact alone. Um, And that's not to say they won't incorporate some of the, the passing concepts that they had under Trask last year because they were successful with those.
0: Yeah. I was I, showing a play from shorter there. They've got shorter in the, in the running back out of Clemson that, that are two five-star position players are going to be lean on this year. I'm, I've got last year's stuff up here and, and talking about that regression on off regression on offense. Uh, they, the, as a team, they had 260 total EPA for the year and you can see Kadarius Kyle and, and, grimes there you know we're almost 200 points. you know to epa now that's a it's a little misleading because there's a, a total team epa counts all the negative plays and, and skill position players don't get negative plays unless they fumble so that's mm-hmm. not exactly apple to apples but you can still imagine that you know with three players having a total epa of 200 um points or whatever that that's a. Sh- that's a crap load of, of offense. They've got to replace this year. And they're like, I said, we're really going to be doing it with, uh, with um, Justin shorter is going to be one of the main targets this year. He was a five-star that played his freshman year at Penn state. He did play for Gators last year. and was, you know, contributed a lot, 25 catches and three touchdowns. Um, and then you've got the, uh, some of the other players that are going to, that are still around Gainesville, Damian Pierce, who a uh, Damian Pierce and um, Malik Davis combined. Uh, I'm sorry. No, uh Nakora White and Malik Davis combined for a thousand yards combined. You know there was a lot of catches, but they've got players there. But um, it's nothing like they're gonna they're gonna miss from those well, <laughs> those guys in the NFL now,
1: right? And those guys had some some good production last year, and and they're good players. But those guys were playing against you know third and fourth defensive backs or you know linebackers last year in that offense. Versus, hold on, save that one. Yeah, right yeah, there.
0: yeah. Sorry, sorry. Here we go.
1: Third and fourth linebackers last year versus, you know, the some of the like Pitts and Tony were were matched up on, on teams one and two DB. So it'll just be interesting to see if those guys can can do the same thing when they're playing better yeah, cover guys.
0: I, I had a rational uh Twitter discussion with somebody from Florida, and he would say the same thing about me. I'm not always rational, but uh you know, Emory only threw like four passes where the game was within 17 points last year. <laughs> so right. and I mean now the, the Oklahoma he got some valuable snaps. I mean the, that Oklahoma team w- was playing to win, and, and it was not you know total mop up good, even though that the game was probably in hand but um, mm-hmm. I'm showing some of these plays right now. It, it You can't tell me that this offense, no, it's the only, it was, it was back up and they're going to tailor the offense for him in the off season, but it's it still, is. it's a different offense than what Trask can do.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, some throws like that are the concern with Jones uh, just from a read standpoint and seeing the field. Um, but like, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right. Which is that, there's some people that are really high on Emory Jones. Uh, PFF is one of them. And, you know, I a lot of that is based on on his grades, right? And and what he has done in, in their grading system in his three years as a, a backup, which I think it's important to acknowledge that PFF does not change their grading system for garbage time if you make a play against uh, an FCS team's third unit in the late fourth quarter of a 50-point blowout, it counts the same as playing, you know, against starters in the first quarter of a, an SEC rivalry game. So keep that in mind. But the Emory Jones thing, I think, reminds me a lot of sample size, right? And this graph that you're showing right here is after uh, Stetson Bennett's first two games as Georgia quarterback last year. So his passing grade was basically equivalent to what they had for uh, Kyle Trask, who was a Heisman finalist. And I think we all know that Stetson Bennett was not a Heisman finalist last year. Um, But in terms of the number of snaps that he had, like that's, that's how he was performing in that grading system. And he had played against Auburn and played, you know, three quarters against Arkansas. And, and that was where he graded out. So I think slow the roll a little bit on Emory, on the Emory Jones, you know, first round draft pick. I saw a a mock draft that PFF did that had him going number 11 in next year's draft to the New York giants. Um, That would be shocking. Right. And it would be shocking because not only did he sit for a season and a half behind Trask, but he sat for quite some time behind Felipe Franks as well. And just generally speaking, a guy that spends most of their career as a backup, doesn't tend to be an upgrade over the guys that they backed up. Um do you have the the Jeremy Johnson uh tweet?
0: Um did you see that. No, I don't think I did. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I was I was I'm reminded you a lot that of the Jeremy Johnson. Yeah, I was in the doc. That's okay, right. hang on. Just... Um So yeah, back in 2015, Nick Marshall left Auburn after a couple of really successful years as the starter there. And his backup for those couple of years was a guy named Jeremy Johnson. And he was a really intriguing dual threat athlete. Um, All the arm talent in the world, all the physical skills in the world. And lots of people had him as a, he went from being a preseason all conference talk to preseason Heisman talk and He was kind of crowned as, you know, this guy is going to lead Auburn to a, you know, a return trip to the national title game or to the college football playoff. He was benched a few games into the season. I think his first game he went like six for 24 and that was that. Now I'm not saying Emory Jones is going to go six for 24 in his first game, but I do think that there's some some common veins there. And Emory Jones might end up being great. He could end up being an all-conference player. All I'm saying is let's let's let him show it as a full-time starter. Let's let him show it when defenses are preparing solely for him, and he's not kind of a change of pace uh, quarterback in in this system. And if he goes on and and runs the table and is all conference or a Heisman candidate, then I will sit here and tell you I'm wrong. But I'm 99% certain that's probably not what's going to happen with Emory Jones. And I actually will go so far as to say that I think by the time we get to the end of the season, you could see Anthony Richardson as the starter there uh, at Florida who, who did flash and have a couple good moments in that cotton bowl against Oklahoma. So that's my spiel on Jeremy Johnson, or I'm sorry, on Emory Jones. Um, You know, sample sizes matter and I don't think that he's going to be an all conference level player. Um, So, I will say, though, the Florida defense I do think is going to improve quite a bit. Uh, Brenton Cox back again. Georgia fans, we know him, right? He's a, a very talented pass rusher. Ventrell Miller is very solid in the in the middle as a linebacker. Zachary Carter is another great edge player. They've got Jeremiah Moon on the edge. They're very deep uh, in that front seven. Secondary, you know, uh, Elam is back there. So there's a lot of talent. On that defense, and I think that you know that that'll keep them in some games. But what was their over under win total on your
0: uh nine, right? Nine,
1: okay. yeah, which yeah. means
0: I mean, which is Alabama, Georgia, and you know, the LSU being the sort of make or break on that. I mean, that LSU, if they if they beat those three teams, they you know, and uh, if they lose those three teams and, and win the rest, they're, they're it's a push, so yeah, um, you know, but who knows what, you know, it, it's.
1: Uh, it's a good number. Um, I think and, it's a fair number. Yeah. For sure. Um, I Personally, I think, like, I wouldn't bet it um, just because, like you said, I think it's a push. If I had a gun to my head, I would probably go under there. That was uh, not an
0: offer, Florida
1: fans. Not an offer. Please do not put <laughs> a gun to my head. I know some of you want to. Um, yeah, I just – I think, truthfully, the – It'll be interesting uh, when they get later on in the season, depending on where that team is after playing Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. If they're at three losses uh, by Halloween, I just I don't know if Dan Mullen is the guy that that keeps that team super focused and motivated and on track. And if that doesn't happen, then I could see them dropping. That, that late season game to Missouri or I don't know how Florida State's going to look, you know? Uh, I think Kentucky's but, that one early in the season. Uh, that's a good one too. Yeah. yeah Kentucky's going
0: to, Kentucky's going to, that's going to be one of the one game they're going to circle on their, on their schedule for sure.
1: They always do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Florida, I think is a transition type year. Uh, if they come out and they're a, a 10 and two team, then I think, we will all myself included have to admit that Dan Mullen is doing a really, really good job down there. Um, Yeah. It'd be like four
0: straight new year's six bowls, if not better than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that he just kind of projecting what they would probably have back for 2022, then they, they would probably be in position for a, you know, division title conference title CFP type run potentially. I don't think that's, what's going to happen. Um, but I've been wrong before, so we'll see how it shakes out.
0: Yeah, their blue chip ratio is up there. I mean, I just flashed it back up, and we were talking about an LSU, but they've got 66 percent mm-hmm. blue chip ratio. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, and I've and I've looked at those numbers in a different way. I don't have the 2021 rosters yet, you know, but you're looking at an average 247 composite rating and 0.906 or 0.907 somewhere in there. So and Florida's Florida is one of those teams that has that, you know. Um, you know, Georgia and Ellis and Ohio State and Alabama have significantly more than that, but Clemson most years has a right around there. So yeah, they definitely have the talent. Um and you know, Mullen's a good coach and uh it's it'll it, it they're pushing all their think, chips in on the table with Emery, so we'll see.
1: I think Mullen is a really brilliant offensive mind. I think as a head coach that's responsible for recruiting uh, program culture, staff management, PR—he struggles in some of those areas, but his his track record with with offensive scheming is is hard to argue against. Um, but you know, it's also it's just I think Emory Jones is a really fascinating case because there's the narrative around Dan Mullen that he's a just a, a wizard quarterback developer and. Jones has been in the program for a very long time now. So
0: let's see if he's a be... tough kid from Bainbridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, all I'm saying is just like, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see if Jones has developed as much as the narrative should, you know, kind of say he should have. Graham, you were pretty nice. Bravo. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.
0: We're, I wouldn't say we're trying to be professional here, but we're trying to be real. No, I mean,
1: we are trying to be professional. And I mean, like, that's my honest take. I think yeah. he'll be better on defense. I don't think, I don't believe that Emory Jones. Hype because I haven't seen enough to believe it. Um, I do think that Dan Mullen will generally find a way to be efficient on offense, but if you go back through his career, that kind of system he runs, it usually beats the teams that it should beat and it loses to the teams that it should lose to. And I think that's how their season will go.
0: You know, as a, as a Georgia fan, I got my feathers or the hairs on my back of my neck all riled up when I saw that. You know, the Emory was so highly rated by PFF, I went back and tried to find some of their. You know, I think they're really good at breaking down players, and you know, I think they—they're not as solid projecting. You know, I mean, you know, I, we don't know what Jamie Newman would have done last year, but we all know the Jamie Newman PFF narrative. Um, so, well, but yeah, we all know they, he's been cut already. Right, yeah, they—they they do. They, they do hit on some of them. They, these guys that, that sort of come out of nowhere. And, you know, maybe Emory is one of those, you know, Matt Corral certainly is, is on everybody's list is one of the best quarterbacks in the sec, but you know, they, they took a, they took a shot and they called a shot with Emory. So we'll see. All right, let's pivot. To, yeah. Let's pivot to Tennessee. Um, uh, oh which, God. <laughs> uh, so here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to put up the, the stats again, you know, they're over, under his six wins. Um, and they, they're kind of, I, I would have thought that their returning production would have been lower than 40, 54% um myself, but there it is. Um and that's a defense that's missing one of its best players, Henry in your, in Henry your Toho, who went to Alabama, and that was still a defense that allowed 47% success rate. Um so yeah, they've got they've got a lot of holes to fill. They do have a lot of
1: holes to fill. Um do we are so I mean their blue chip percentage is, is still 42%. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Um,
0: I think it's one of those things, you know, you look at the curve, you know, and it it drops. No, it's actually
1: actually 48%. So they're right outside of that number, which I'm not sure if all the transfer stuff had shaken loose when Bud released those numbers a month or two ago. Um, But my point being, like, there still is a lot of talent on that roster, and I, I, I think that's worth considering when we talk about them
0: yeah um they start off with bowling green and then I, I do not is that Pittsburgh? I, I gotta do a better job mm. on this and find out if that pittsburgh game's on the road because that's an interesting that's at, me, home. It's at it's home. home that's gonna be a really good game uh, that's a you know you can see that you know pittsburgh has obviously lost their secondary coach and one of their best players on their on their defense to uh georgia but uh no, that's west virginia <laughs> All right, well, it was close, in a backyard brawl, whatever, the other they side of that. Other, so just yeah. ignore what I said, it's solid. No, at any anyway, rate, so, but it, yeah, okay, so 73%, that's a veteran team coming in. That's actually a pretty good net yards per play that Pittsburgh bringing into them. I mean, you can hmm. see that defense allowed 35% success rate. So they're going to be, they're going to have a, that's going to be a tough match, tough game for Tennessee. Yeah, It will, coming
1: up. It, it, will. it definitely will.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a rough start. You know, you got bowling green, you got that Pittsburgh, and then you do have Tennessee Tech, but it's Florida, Missouri. That's 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 a front loaded schedule, but then it just gets worse. It gets, that's gonna be a tough. I don't know. I, I gotta I got a feeling like I'm gonna take the under on that with the with you know, with a old miss is gonna want a piece of the, you know, want a piece of them and <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, that's and
1: Kentucky. That is that's a brutal schedule. Well, so I mean, they're they're over under six wins, right? Yeah. Um so, I mean, you got to assume Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, and Vanderbilt are going to be wins. That's four. Um, South Carolina. South, South Carolina is probably going to be a win. And then I could see them. And they got to beat? I could see them beating Pittsburgh. You know, I could okay. see them. I could see them potentially beating Ole Miss. Uh, I could see – like, I don't know. I, I The thing with them is – They've got Hendon Hooker coming in, who is a, a very talented, you know, player. Uh, and I think he will add a run element to the Heupel offense. I believe that Josh Heupel is going to find ways to score points because that's where he's done everywhere he's been. And they one of the things that wasn't decimated for them kind of was was that receiver position. And that's an area they did recruit pretty well. Uh, I just kind of yeah. don't like I just think that.
0: Are you there? We might have lost Graham here, but uh Bellis Jones is one of their uh their players. That are you there? Hang on, you're back. Yeah, all right, there you go. Good.
1: Yeah, no, I was just saying depending on how the season kind of starts, like like if they win that Pittsburgh game at home and you know the Neeland's full and there's sort of that energy, and everyone gets all excited that you may see them knock off like a, a Missouri or a, a Kentucky or kind of some of those like tier two SEC teams this year and have a, a six, seven, one season and go to a bowl. I, I I'm I'm
0: selling on, on Tennessee. I think that I think is a good coach, but I just think it's just kind of a kind of a mess this year. Um you know one of those uh year zeros that you hear Andy Staples talk about. Um yeah. you know you lose Eric Eric Gray and Ty Chandler some of the you know 1500 yards rushing. They do have this Tion Evans kid who's coming out of JUCO, who was I think the number three overall JUCO player, number one running back. You know, Velas Jones is a good receiver, plays mm-hmm. hard, and uh, and you know he was rewarded with that appearance at, at media days and stuff. I just don't think that they've got enough pieces, and that schedule is tough. And uh, I, I, I'm selling on them. I think Missouri can beat them. I think Kentucky can beat them, and I think they're going to have more than they can handle with Pittsburgh and maybe even South Carolina um so that, that's my take on it
1: so you're not you don't think that the Maze brothers are gonna pave the way to a ball game
0: uh i do not <laughs> okay yeah uh, i mean I, this is the jones i don't have i didn't i didn't go real deep on the the plays here but i, I got no, a couple out right. of Develis jones here i yeah, like his name
1: I, I, it is a good name i i mean i agree with you man it's gonna be really hard for them um even even a lot of the talented pieces they did have on that team, you know, went, what, three and nine, or like won three games last year, um, maybe two. I forget with the all SEC schedule exactly what their record was. But it was bad. It was bad enough to get not fired good. Not good. Not <laughs> yeah, good. not good. So <laughs> I would, yeah, I would sell on the Tennessee Um but I also I also feel like every year we have these surprise teams in, in the SEC and in college football as a whole. And just in terms of a guy who is proven from a scheme standpoint to to be able to manufacture some points, Josh Heupel is is on, you know, one of the shorter lists of those people. So maybe they get something clicking at some point, but I wouldn't bet my money on it. Yeah, I'm selling. <laughs>
0: that's all i got um well that was good we've gone through half the sec that aren't georgia and alabama and we're going to continue on this i think we're going to take a little break we got we got some other shows that are uh oh um we've got um dr ed fang a a sports analytics and betting guy coming this weekend and i think we're going to try to do another show this week uh, that's a little different too as well right
1: absolutely yeah um I guess from a dog news standpoint, uh, I did see Georgia picked up a commitment from Dylan Bell uh, this evening, three-star wide receiver out of Houston, but one of those guys that may be a little underrated that I think Georgia is confident on as it had on campus has been able to evaluate in person. I think this, this whole recruiting cycle is going to be weird because a lot of these guys didn't play football in their junior seasons and it's a little hard to to know who should be rated what. But, um, yeah, kind of has a, a little bit of a curious Jackson feel to him with some size, might be another Adonai Mitchell type of guy who's a three-star in a lot of services and gets on campus and uh, looks looks much better than that. So keep an eye on him, and uh, we'll, I'm sure there will be more news to come from the recruiting trail here shortly.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to probably try to get – Do a before the season is kicks off, we're going to try to do a a, you know a recruiting recap and see where we stand. And uh, um, this Dylan kid, I saw Axe talking about him. You know, he looks like a Terry Godwin kind of player uh, size and everything. And and uh, you know, sometimes we get lured in by the stars, but this is a guy that the staff wanted, so uh, that's good enough for me.
1: Yeah, it's it's been good to see, uh, especially in this cycle with the COVID and like just heart less tape out there. It's been good to see the staff getting these guys on campus, doing their own evaluations and, and offering the guys who they think they they need to offer, regardless of what they're rated by any of the services.
0: Yeah. Here's the Dylan Gabriel commitment. I just was able to Dylan do that. Bell. Dylan Bell. Who's Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, All right. He's the quarterback at UCF. Dang. Solid. <sighs> yeah we're 40 minutes we're 40 minutes in we've we've got the we've got the fans we're going to keep at this point
1: so yeah i was
0: just i'm just you know i just wanted to put it up there i can do that no for sure
1: um (laughs) yeah i think he's he is a very polished looking route runner uh i mean like with he played he's played a, a little bit lower level of competition kind of private school level and so you can tell there's times where just like he's just so much more athletically superior to the guy across from him where he gets a little lazy with his routes, but when he gets pressed, his routes are really clean and you can also just looking at his body type, you can tell he's taking the weight room really seriously from a young age. So he might be one of those guys that comes in developed and ready to go on early on.
0: Well, Graham, thank you for all that. man. You pack it in. I really, uh, I think Thank uh, you. We, uh, we had another good show. We're going to keep, we're going to do these again, but we're going to take a little break. As we said,
1: um, anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, that is Mr. Josh Hancher. You can find him on Twitter at dog underscore stats. Uh, he will have all the pretty graphs and charts and cool stuff that you've seen on the broadcast tonight. My name is Graham Coffee. You can find me on Twitter at dog out West. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to dog sports live on youtube or your podcast platform of choice you can also find us on twitter at dog sports underscore live and uh we've been having a lot of fun over there lots of good debates and conversations so jump in on that and and join us for some football talk
0: Absolutely, we love the interactions from everybody, even even when they get a little hot with the posing fan bases. But you know, that's that's why we're all fans. We're fired up. So engagement that, is engagement. Engagement, engagement. All right, <laughs> we love you guys, Graham. Good job, and uh, you too, man. Thank you. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.